You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on this Thursday morning alongside the Washtenaw Citizen, Jake Martin. What up, Jake Martin? What is happening? Plenty to discuss over the next uh, two hours. Of course, your calls, your texts, always welcome. It's called the Stuart Shelby Text Slash Hotline. 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote. Weekend's almost here, man. Yeah, but last night was fun. All around fun. Lots of big things happening. Well, not all of it was fun. There right. was some uh, pretty devastating news. Uh, but we'll touch on all of that in the headlines this morning. I think first we need to start with the absolute beatdown that took place last night. Tech whooping. ULL. I think whooping's the appropriate uh, term. Uh, the most runs they've scored against uh, the Cajuns since 1975. Hmm. Diamond Dogs with 15 runs last night. They win 15 to two. If you're nitpicking, the only thing that could have made this game better was if they didn't give up the two runs in the ninth inning and would have walked out of there with a 15 nothing shutout. But that's nitpicking. Whenever you can beat somebody 15 to two and do it in the dominating fashion that Louisiana Tech did last night. Several different heroes in this game, and I think you probably have to start with, first, uh, David Leal on the bump and what he continues to do in midweek games. He only allowed three hits and no runs in seven innings pitched. This, by the way, is his sixth time. Six of his eight starts have gone six or more innings. Mm. So, the question was asked yesterday, earlier this week, of course, to Lane Burroughs about, you know, do you start considering putting Leal in the weekend rotation? And he had a good answer. His response was, you don't really want to mess with his rhythm because either he's going to have a short uh, days of rest or he's going to have a long period of not pitching, you know, either either four days or so or, you know, ten days without mm-hmm. pitching, which makes sense. You don't want to throw your pitchers out of rhythm, especially when they're pitching this well. And pitchers, like all of us, are creatures of habit. Do you want to break up a good thing that's rolling along? And then you look, of course, at – the remaining schedule, what, about a month left in the season? Uh, you know in postseason play you're going to need the entire staff. And if you got a guy, an ace in the hole like David Leal, when you get farther down into a tournament, it's going to be a huge advantage. Well, that's why, you know, I really do like this team in tournament play. I mean, they've got essentially five starters that they can throw at you. So, yeah, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat in tournament play. But, yeah, that's why that question keeps being brought up is because David Leal continues – and let's not let's not like look at ULL's record and, and think back to previously how they were at the start of the season. This team was red hot. Winners of eight of their last nine entering this ball game, and Leal went out there and shut them down. Uh, nice crowd on down, down there at Teague Moore Field. Four thousand seven hundred seventy-seven reported, and Mason Robinson really stole the show along with David Leal. How about uh, Louisiana Tech now with two players? Hitting for the cycle in basically, what, a week and a half. Hunter Wells did it against UTSA on April 8th. Robinson does it last night uh, as he bangs out uh, four hits and drives in five runs as he hits for the cycle. In fact, his last hit, uh, Coach Burrow said in his postgame press conference that basically he thinks he could have went for a triple, held up for the double, <laughs> and, of course, he gets the cycle. Uh, I guess when you're up by that that much, it doesn't matter. But We've it, talked about the fact how difficult it is for one player to hit two home runs in one inning. Uh-huh. Of course, what took place at Washita. But how difficult is it for a team to have two players to hit for the cycle in this shorter period? What, that a two-week period? Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. But, uh, yeah, Tech had 17 hits last night, which is also a season high this year. Mm. 17 hits, 15 runs, the most for Tech this year. They had three home runs mixed in there. Uh, Afterwards, uh, Coach Burrow says everybody was locked in, and they got some quality at-bats, and hopefully uh, they can continue this this weekend as they now go on the road. They literally hopped on the bus from Lafayette and drove down to New Orleans to fly out to get out to West Virginia for the series against Marshall. Nice win for Louisiana Tech, to say the least, especially for a team that had those issues last week going one and three. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the way you snap out of a slump. 
for sure. Uh, I think next Tuesday, uh, the Cajuns, when they come up here. <laughs> They'll be looking for some revenge, but uh, I don't know if they want to see Louisiana Tech again after that. Uh, Tech has now won four of the last five versus Yalala. Wow, good stat there. Uh, LSU Tulane, this was an entertaining affair last night. This was a, a odd, odd game. Um, so... What's interesting here is, well, first of all, the rally bees is dead, which is a good thing, because that was about to take off like the rally possum, uh. because, of course, after the beehive incident, LSU rallied Sunday, went with the walk-off. It felt like the same thing was happening here. You know, they, they're playing at Tulane. They, they come up, and uh, Daniel Cabrera, who was actually the walk-off hero in Sunday's game, he had an RBI single that, that put uh, LSU on top, and then Nick, Nick Coombs hit, hit another RBI single. They got three runs in the ninth, correct? He got three runs in the ninth, and uh, I failed to mention Zach Watson was actually the one who uh, delivered uh, an RBI single to tie it. An RBI double, sorry. But, uh, yeah, so they, they go up. They, they go up in the ninth, and then Tulane follows. LSU was up 9-7, to seven, and Tulane was able to score three runs to win that game. Now, he sent let's, – let's detail what happened in that ninth inning because it was very strange. He sends Devin Fontenot out there. First at bat, he, he gives away a home run to Grant Witherspoon. Okay, so it's 9-8. to eight. Uh, The next batter uh, was Waltz um, and then advanced on a wild pitch. And so Maneri brought in Matthew Beck, who then gave up a, a double that tied the game. Well, um, a sacrifice bunt moved him over, and so Maneri decided, let's walk the next two batters, let's load the bases, let's bring in Zach Watson in the infield, let's have five infielders. So Beck's going up against a hitter, I think Glancy's his name, has a 176 average on the year. Yeah. He threw four straight balls. Ouch. He walked in, it was a walk-off walk. He Ouch. walked in, the game-winning run, and after the game, Paul Maneri says, obviously... I did the wrong thing by walking those batters. It put too much pressure on our pitcher, and he wasn't capable of throwing strikes under those conditions. Mm. Oh, that's a tough way to lose. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you could take some positives away from this game, but there are a lot more negatives, I feel. Just they scored nine runs. AJ, well, and you were able to, to sort of rally but not hold up the – the rest of the, the deal. Jake Slaughter had two hits. Jake Slaughter played well. One of those being a triple. Yeah. Um, you had some clutch hits, but the defense and the, the pitching was just not good at all. So even A.J. Labus was rocked, who had been a pretty steady hand for you. So, uh, yeah, not a good night for LSU. Sellout crowd down there? I don't know about that. Yeah, it was. I'm telling it was, you, it was oh, a sellout nice. crowd. <laughs> I thought you were asking. No, it was a sellout crowd. I, I'd be curious to know. Uh, 50-50 LSU Tulane, or if it was all 80-20 pro Tulane. See, I don't know. You couldn't catch this game online. You had to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, that was odd. You're yeah. not used to that, are you? Not used to that. And you weren't ready to fork over any money. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> ESPN wants me to pay five bucks. I'm not paying five bucks. <laughs> uh, we'll ask Chris Blair about the crowd. He will join us for his weekly visit. The Voice of the uh, Tigers coming up at 8 o'clock. Those are the two big headlines from college baseball from last night. Yes, uh, we had a lot of NBA headlines, though. Um, I mean, okay, let's first start with the Greg Popovich news because that a lot of that centers around that. And by the way, uh, later on, we're going to have the best rivalries in NBA. Yes. It could be players, it could be teams, it could be franchises. We certainly are taking nominees as we will have the top 10 on this top 10 Thursday coming up probably around 7.30 or so. You can weigh in at 888 What's the rivalry, or what was the rivalry in NBA that got your juices going? Your blood postseason, bo your blood boiling. Yeah, postseason rivalry. Hmm. Um, yeah, we got some good ones too. So uh, yesterday, you find out the Spurs put it out that uh, Greg Popovich's wife, Erin, passed away, hmm. which is tragic news. News that you hate to hear. And before we go in any further, married some forty years. Forty years. Yeah, I would like to say that. You know, a lot of people took a lot of time to analyze these Greg Popovich post-game interviews, and I think a lot of people were getting kind of tired of his stick mm. this postseason because he was a little more um, – he joked a little bit more and was just – almost seemed like he didn't care. 
Well, earlier on, and it was actually this week we mentioned Popovich with the media, and they were asking, is it starting to wear on you, and are you tired of this? And he asked, he joked, well, heck, I, I flew out here on a chartered plane. Yeah. I went to the Four Seasons Hotel. I went out and had a nice meal, and guess what? They picked up the bill. I went mm-hmm. back to the hotel, and you're thinking, nice remark. And that, that's the thing. We don't know the backstory of what these people are dealing with in their everyday lives. No, we don't. And I saw a lot of people really blasting him after he was talking about Danny Green trying to guard Kevin Durant and just saying, yeah, well, we'll just have Danny Green grow a few more inches, blah, blah, blah. And people were just blasting him for that. And then, like you said, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And obviously he was dealing with something personal here with his wife, and his wife passed away, which led to some more kind of weird NBA news. So last night, LeBron – uh, they tied the series one to one. I'll talk more about that game in the next segment, but I just want to talk about the post game interview real quick with Allie LaForce. La I believe she used no. to work with CBS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she interviews LeBron and she asks him about Popovich losing his wife. Mm-hmm. Apparently, LeBron and Pop are very close, and LeBron has a has a response on air where he had a cusses he says mm-hmm. the s word and seems like he was caught off guard by it, it seemed like he was caught off but that guard was not the case and emotions kind of ran over and then later you find out that he you know he says that Allie actually told me beforehand and so she in his words followed the proper protocol mm-hmm. um but she was very professional about it anyway if you get on twitter everyone's blasting Allie for this and i know you love to talk about these uh these media. Uh, this events. is a no-win situation for Ali LaForce. Sure. Uh, so she tips him off. She does the right thing because it's it's a, a subject and a topic that's not centered around the game. Uh, so she asked the question, and nowadays we all want our superstars, LeBron James, and of course we want to hear them on a variety of subjects, or some people do, uh, the fans, and we want to see that raw emotion. How do you pull that raw emotion? You ask him right after the game. Now, whether or not it was the right place to do it, could you wait another five, ten minutes and, of course, wait for the post-game press conference? I think you probably can. But TNT or whoever had the game last night, this is their opportunity. They don't want to allow that to go by. They want that on their airwaves. Yeah, and I understand that. But I thought she did good of of kind of breaking the news to him beforehand. So he wasn't caught off guard. And that's what came a little bit of surprise when you, after you see the initial clip and you hear the interview, you're like, wow, they just blindsided him with yeah, this question. It because looks like it, for sure. he swears. And, and then you hear, well, he was tipped off beforehand. Yeah. Which I think was right in this case. Yeah, I did too. I, I think you got to give her a, a little bit of a break here. I agree. Yeah. Uh, anyway, about the game, real quick. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I had two contradicting thoughts as I was watching this game play out. My first. And, and, again, they contradict each other. My first thought was, well, LeBron can't play much better than this. And this is a one-possession game down the wire. You know, Pacers, they would they would climb up to like six-point lead, and the Pacers would, would be right there and then cut it to three and have opportunities to either tie tie the game and, and, and put it into overtime. So my thought there was, well, LeBron can't play much better than this. I don't, I don't even think they'll get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They'll be lucky if they get past this series. Then, as the game continued to play out, you started seeing better defense. And they were making defensive plays, which we've talked so much about how bad of a defensive team this Cavaliers team was. So then I had, I had a little sense of hope, like, well, well maybe they can reach the finals and, and play the Warriors again. What are, what are your thoughts? I'm curious, which, which line of thinking are you more in tune with? They're still a team to beat in the East. Still the team. Yeah, to be. and he's still got LeBron. You, you unless LeBron, the you know, you know, unless LeBron goes down with some sort of injuries or gets banged up, you still got the best player. Still got the best player, but my God, he doesn't have any help. <laughs> he's got to be. I mean, he was Superman last night, and it still almost wasn't enough. Yes. Uh, other NBA uh, headlines, of course. We look forward to tonight's game, eight o'clock. You got the Pels and the Blazers. Uh, New Orleans TV station, they tweeted this out, and I fell for it. It was clickbait. It was over the weekend. The headlines, will we see Cousins in the first round of the playoffs? <laughs> what? Yeah. So, obviously. You, you didn't think that he was coming back. From and... Achilles uh, heel, Achilles tendon after three months. I clicked on it. Wouldn't you? 
I when you said that, I immediately think, oh, will he be on the sideline? Well, you're right. He may, supposedly will be on the bench uh, tonight to watch his squad. Okay, well, good. See, you're smarter than me, Jake. I guess. Well, that's I'm, not breaking hey, news. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Uh, we'll break down this matchup uh, coming up later in the show. The other thing that caught my eye from the NBA, how about uh, Kenny Smith, the Jet, is scheduled to interview for the Knicks job on Friday. Coaching job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wish there was a camera in here so we could play that? Um, I, wow, okay. Why would you do that if you were him? I don't know. You've got why, pretty good gear. Why would you ever leave that studio <laughs> yes. with Chuck? By the way, if you haven't seen Charles Barkley's response to Eric Bledsoe saying he doesn't know who Terry Rozier is, you should look that up. We can't play it, but it's funny. Um, one more quick NBA news. I know all this NBA talk is killing you, but uh, Donovan Mitchell was fantastic last night. You know, there's been so much talk about who should win the rookie of the year. I think on a national platform, a lot of people who didn't really know who he was saw him play, saw him score those 13 points in the fourth quarter last night, and we're like, oh, this is why Utah did so well this season. He is awesome. Uh, I just wanted to say that. Uh, we got another uh, some uh, some more topics to break down in the next segment, including some NFL news and notes. The big schedule release coming tonight. Must-see TV <laughs> for some. Yeah, for for some, not in the studio. And we'll get into the Tom Brady debacle coming up in the next segment. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pancake. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Pretty good guest list this morning. Matt Kubik, uh, ULM's offensive coordinator, will join us at 745 as ULM fans continue to look forward to a huge Saturday including the spring game, and Doug Peterson. 8 o'clock, Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers, will join us at 8.30. How about this matchup tonight in high school baseball? Sterlington versus West Washita. I would have to say this has to be the best matchup in the entire state, not only for this day, but for the entire week. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good bet. You know, Not they, that I know anything about the rest of the schedule across the state, <laughs> but I'll go out on the It'd be hard to find a better one. It, yeah, West Washington went in fourteen straight. Fourteen straight. Sterlington twenty-five and three. Yeah. yeah, two of the best teams in their respective classifications. Again, hard to find a better matchup than that. We'll find Mitch Thomas. He will be on at eight thirty. And of course, it is top ten Thursday, and today's subject is the best rivalries in the postseason. And Quint has a couple good ones here. He says Lakers and Kings at the Cow Palace in the early 2000s, Bulls and Pistons in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, as you went through this exercise, and of course we'll dive into it at eight, at 7.30, uh, are the majority of yours from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s? Yes. Uh, so that's three decades. I know. <laughs> are the majority of them from the 90s and early 2000s? Um. Yeah, I think so. I've found some ways to kind of get other errors involved. I did. Okay. Well, I tried to spread it around a little bit, but, uh, yeah, those those tend to be the best ones. Got a number of uh, texts here. We'll get to them in the next segment. You can continue to weigh in at 888-993-7762. Plus, we want to hear your nominees for the best grudge games, rivalries in the NBA. The Morning Drive is back after this on Sports Talk 977. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. The all-new Yard Power of Monroe, Northeast Louisiana's only Cub Cadet dealer. 
Your Cup Cadets Superstore is holding a big open house this Saturday where you can save 15% on all Cup Cadet Pro Z mowers. That could mean up to $1,800 in savings. Big discounts on a great selection, even red tag special deals on closeout inventory. So remember YP, Yard Power, on Highway 165 in Monroe, just one mile north of Century Lane. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Good morning, Louisiana. This is the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the show. I think Quentin just rolled out of bed and just started texting uh, he says the real University of Louisiana showed up and stole the show last night. The little Cajuns need to be quiet. Also says too much LSU baseball coverage. Their performance doesn't merit this much attention. Jake. I threw him with Jake. Yeah, you asked me who the questions. I answered them, so that's on you. Uh, William says Lakers, Celtics, and Yankees. Mm. Quinn also says... I think he's referencing uh, LeBron and uh, with a little bit of vulgarity in the post-game reaction with a question from Ali LaForce. The inability to speak using more than four-letter words speaks volumes of a person's character. Couldn't agree with you more. Well any, said. Any chance to bury LeBron? <laughs> you, uh, I, I'm not burying LeBron. but I, I, You don't like LeBron. No, I, I, you don't fine. like no, LeBron. I'm the LeBron defender. He is the king, man. And nobody wants to offend the king. And I'm sure Allie LaForce, that's the last possible thing she wants to do. That's a good gig she's oh, got. Why are you turning this on Allie now? No, she's in a bad situation. She's got her bosses pushing her to ask the question. They're in her ear. And then, of course, she's got LeBron, the most powerful guy in the NBA, standing right there. I think she, she did pretty well. Yeah, well. And then now LeBron riding back on the bus defending her. Yeah. Not bad. I feel bad for her. Why do you feel bad for her? She she's did her in a, job she's and in a LeBron. tough spot. Well, LeBron took the pressure off of mm-hmm. her. We're giving way too much airtime to Allie LaForce. All right, let's go here. This is another journalist that got in a, uh, an interesting situation yesterday. Uh, so Adam Schefter, highly respected. I think he's great. Oh, yeah, love Adam And we, we saw the tweet yesterday, actually during the show, and we thought so much of it that we didn't even comment on it. During a commercial break in the 8 o'clock hour yesterday, I said, did you see this tweet from Schefter? And you said. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't believe it. But so. And the the, the tweet was. The tweet was basically paraphrasing. He's saying that Brady still has not committed to playing in 2018. Which none of us believe. None of us think he's not going to play. But I started kind of. Listening to more talking heads about this, and more specifically Bill Simmons, who is the Boston guy. Uh-huh. So I was like, if there's some Patriot news, I want to hear what he has to say about it. He he brought up some good points. Uh, he said that he, he felt that it, Brady's because his his wife doesn't want him to play anymore, his family doesn't want him to play anymore. That and because of this growing rift, which is a good point, you got to think about that growing rift between Belichick and Brady and Kraft. You can throw him in there as well. Because of all the things that have happened between those guys, and then of course you got Danny Amendola coming out and and saying some things about mm-hmm. Malcolm Butler. We all deserved a reason as to why he didn't play. We still didn't get that reason. So it just seems to be a little d- dissension with the Patriots right now. And he brought out the fact that, or, or what he felt Brady was doing, that he was waiting on the draft and seeing what the Patriots decided to do with all of those picks, those first round picks and those second round picks. Are they going to try and rebuild? Mm. And Belichick set himself up for another run because he's getting up there. Or are they going to pick some people that are going to come in right away and help this team compete for another championship? And he thinks that he's going to make his decision based off of that, Mm. which is crazy. It's kind of crazy that uh, a guy so plugged into Boston actually gives this tweet from Adam Schefter some merit. 
Well, Schefter's in a bad spot, of course. He's got great sources, and, you know, it is a little bit of a story, the fact that he has not committed yet. But uh, Schefter went on to say also that, you know, his sources are also pretty confident that Brady will be back. Yeah. Basically saying, hey, he's contemplating it, yes. but don't bet the house that he's So then you can only imagine how ESPN takes this one tweet, and then it becomes the story of the day, correct? <laughs> yeah. And they run with it. And then I feel horrible for Schefter, a respected journalist, an award winner. And then I'm flipping around. It's always that you know daily debate for me, flipping around. i got seven, eight channels on the treadmill trying to find something to watch. Do you watch the History Channel or do you watch First Take? And usually, what's, on the, what's on the history usually channel? I, or A and E. And usually <laughs> I stick on, you know, Storage Wars or something like that over first take. But Schefter was on. So I said, I'm going to watch it. So then you actually see a distinguished journalist in the middle of two bozos up two there. Two Yeah, two guys that don't know squat. Mm-hmm. that just throw out personal opinion and, and don't have really sources inside the league or the credentials that Schefter does. And, you know, Max and Screaming A there are, are screaming and yelling. And you can tell Schefter's like, who put me on this show? Why am I here? And then he literally squashes them with a he's, couple he's things and puts whole, them in their place. He spent the whole time correcting everything yeah, they said, yeah, basically. Yeah. That's good. Uh, schedule release coming up uh, later today. There was some news. I don't know if it's huge news or not. But the NFL has sort of listened to viewers or fans on start times for Monday night, Sunday night, and Thursday night football games. They bumped them up a few minutes. A few minutes? Yeah. So our time, Monday Night Football, will now start at uh, 7.15 instead of 7.30. Oh, thank God. Does that make a difference? A oh, huge difference. On Sunday, they will go at uh, 7.20 instead of 7.30. On Thursday night, huge difference. 7.20 instead of 7.25. Wow. They've listened Thanks, to Thanks, NFL. Each other. <laughs> yeah. You surely do listen and hear our complaints. Uh, schedule release uh, tonight on uh, the NFL night. Yeah, I- not going to watch. What time is it? Do you even know what time it is? No clue. Shows how much you care. Uh, I think it's 7 o'clock. Nick White knows. He'll text us. It's probably 7 o'clock. Let us know, Nick. 7 o'clock, and then, of course, you got the, the Pels and the Blazers. Here's my up. thing. I've never gotten into it just because it's 32 teams. And if it would be like college and have 132 teams, okay. I'll, I'll tune in because that seems – I don't know. It just doesn't interest me. Mm. Uh, Tim Ways in says softball. Who cares? Not softball, who cares, but you need to talk softball, and then the rest of this conversation, who who cares? cares? Nothing but softball. Uh, Vito, really, I think with the text of the day so far, and this refers to uh, LeBron with uh, using a profane language in his clip with Ali LaForce speaking on the death of uh, Popovich's wife, says, knowing that his sound bites will be played everywhere and then knowingly and openly using that language on a regular basis with kids listening is just simply irresponsible. I agree. Yeah, I want to give him a pass because he is close to pop, mm-hmm. and I—it's very strange because his resp- his reaction was like it, it caught him off guard. But if he knew beforehand, why did he have that reaction? Was he, I don't know, playing it up a little bit for the cameras? I don't know. But I just—we just started this whole segment by talking about pop and saying we shouldn't overanalyze what people say in these interviews and these post-game press conferences because we simply don't know what's going on with their lives. Mm. So I don't know, man. I don't know what he's feeling. Uh, I want to end this segment on a positive note, and it is local. Grambling, I continue to say, uh, in the last three years or so, what they continue to do overall in athletics has been pretty darn impressive. On the field and now off of it, and they're taking a little bit of a biting off what Louisiana Tech has done in the past with their award ceremony. They did one last night, once again, extremely well done, honoring the student-athletes that they have and their accomplishments on and off the field. They just continue to get it right. We heard from Broderick Fobbs uh, yesterday, and he talked about the success that they've had. But you look at this school and, and the issues that they've had in the past, and, of course, I've piled on numerous times. Man, they they got it going on right now. Yeah, and like you said, on and off the, yeah. the field slash court because – you know, they're, they're winning, but they're also doing a great job of getting publicity out about them winning. Mm. And I think that's that's been a huge help this past year. I mean, the ceremony was done right, proper lighting, and, you know, it was a big deal. And then they gave uh, some student-athletes different awards. Pretty cool. Uh, we actually have some sound here from uh, Coach Cooper and Coach Fobbs just on this event 
and of course the rise of the re-rise of uh, uh, Grambling Athletics overall. One of the greatest quotes I heard Coach Eddie Robinson say back in the day was the credit goes to the guy in the arena. The guy that's making the plays, making the tackles, scoring the touchdowns, or in our case, the guy that's getting the hits, making the plays, making the pitches, those are the guys that get all of the credit. And so when you look at how, you know, they're the reason we're out there winning games because if you show me a, a great coach and I'll show you great players. Uh, you know, if you're looking for great players around, uh, great players make those great coaches. You know, you don't, you don't find a great coach without finding no great players. Well, I think our leadership has really uh, got us going in the right direction. And, you know, every sport is, is, is really putting W's up now. So that's what it takes, you know. And uh, when you look at how far we've come from four years, you know, it means a lot. I did not mix in the, uh, <laughs> the music underneath. Trust, trust me. That was not ambient sound. Nobody thought that. <laughs> No one. You don't think that, that was from my mix? No. <laughs> hey, a lot of credit needs to go to Paul Bryant, the athletic director. I remember when he was introduced and some of the co comments he made, and then of course he came on the show, and he basically said, "There's no more free rides here. If you're not doing your job, you need to look for another job somewhere else." And at the time when he said, I was like, "Whoa, that has not been Grambling's way in the past. I like it. It's refreshing, and it certainly has worked now." You know what else I like? I like this text from Andrew. Tell these people to stop being so naive because these kids hear much worse every day at the schools they attend. Good point, Andrew. Talking about LeBron. 888-993-7762. You ready to start Top 10 Thursday coming up next? Thought you'd never ask. Best grudge games, best rivalries in the association. By the way, Nick White does weigh in. He is uh, the program. Uh, he's like our TV guy. 7 o'clock, NFL watch party. Thanks, NFL Nick. schedule release. You, you going to his house to watch it? <laughs> We got a big high school baseball game tonight. No, oh, shucks. We're back after this with Top Ten Thursday. If you or a loved one have been injured or a victim of medical malpractice, you need to go Guerrero. I'm Lauren Guerrero, and my father is Jeff Guerrero. He has helped thousands of people who have been injured in auto accidents, offshore accidents, drug recalls, and victims of medical negligence. So if you or a loved one have been injured through no fault of your own, do what thousands of injured clients have already done. Go Guerrero. Call 24 hours a day at 325-4306 or come by the office at 2200 Forsyth Avenue in Monroe. Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. Lots, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing. With Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream. Live to drive. Get your craw daddies now at Randall's Fine Meats. Randall's Fine Meats has your craw daddies ready to go every day. Low prices for live or boiled. Ask about their 5 and 10 pound specials on some of the best crawfish around. Plus, Randall's will even cater your next event. Just give them a call, 343-0382, and book in advance. Randall's also has your specialty stuffed meats. And you have to try his fried cracklins. At Randall's, like them on Facebook or just stop on by. Randall's Fine Meats, 4205 Old Sterlington Road, Monroe. Let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston. All right, a couple texts here. Uh, Dave says 15-2 thrashing by Louisiana Tech showed little brother who's the boss against the other, adding another L to ULLLL. David, good one. Uh, Trent, sup? How, how do you say that? Sup, y'all. <laughs> Haven't been tuning in because you dorks don't watch hockey. Y'all are missing out. Go Tigers, Trent. Yeah. Uh, we're dorks. That hockey coverage, we should continue that. We should time. do a, a two-minute hockey. Oh, by the way, our Astros segment, we have uh, adopted them. They won 7-1. to one. They scored six runs in the seventh to beat Seattle. Uh, Cole had seven strong innings. Astros win 7-1. to one. There is your Astros update for today. Boom. Who gives it to you better than that? 
Nobody. Uh, yeah, that is comprehensive coverage right there, coverage you can count on. Uh, Dwayne and Homer actually uh, helped us out with Top Ten Thursday. He came up with this idea. Thanks, bud. And he says yes, he uh, most underrated. Uh, no, he said Reggie versus Spike was the absolutely best rivalry in the mm. association. We shall see. Mm. It says most underrated, Michael's early Bulls versus Elo and Daughtry and the Cat. We've got we've, – I got – I'm confident in my list. I, I do want to say this, though. So, I, I kind of went more with the storylines. Like, I went with the drama. Mm-hmm. More of the drama than anything. That's you, man. The storytelling. Oh, stop. But I, I, I think that the, you're talking about rivalries, heated rivalries. So, a lot of the storylines and drama, everything that, that, that contributed to it. It might not have been the best player versus player, so to speak. But the drama is what kind of put these over the top for me. I, I liked uh, Dwayne there with uh, the Cavs uh, versus the Bulls back in the day. Uh, I looked it up. Uh, they were 0 for 5 from 88 to 94 against the Bulls. Mm. Uh, Michael Jordan just owned them. Mark Price back in the day, Brad Doherty. All right, these are some of the ones I had that did not make my top ten. Are you ready? All right, but real quick, when we, we're kind of changing something up. When we say – something like if he has something at 10 and i have it at number five i'm gonna say punt and we'll talk about it when it gets to my number five so if it's if it's three or higher uh then where he has it we'll punt this is gonna be confusing yeah it's not that difficult just if if you know if it's three slots further down just say punt uh best rivalries in the nba you have to start with a nominee shaquille o'neal versus the free throw line oh stop what? What? That you, you're the free making... throw line wins 848% of the time. Oh. That's a pretty even battle. Is this battle. a joke to you, Aaron? No, these are nominees, man. Okay. Latrell Sprewell versus PJ Colissimo. You remember back in the day? The Not choke on my list. Sprewell uh, chokes him, the coach. I think he got a 68 game suspension. Hmm. That's a pretty bitter rivalry right there. Yeah. Uh,. How about the slam dunk competition between a Dominique and Michael Jordan? This Jordan's. is postseason. This is playoffs. All right. You don't like my <laughs> nominees so far. They didn't make the top ten. Ron Artest versus uh, the entire crowd at the Palace. Oh, Aaron. What part of postseason? I, you asked me to do my uh, my homework. This ain't working well. This is not going well. Uh, Kermit Washington versus Rudy uh, Tom, Tom Va- Von Janovich. Rudy Tom Janovich. Easy for you to say. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thanks for your nominees, Aaron. <laughs> I really appreciated those. It really enhanced this <laughs> segment. All right. What you got at number 10? <laughs> All right. Number 10, I have Pistons Bulls. Are we punting? Or is it? Uh, Pistons Bulls. Now, this is going to be a problem because they got uh, chicken scratches over here. Uh, yeah, we're punting. I've got it number 10, uh, two different ones. i got a tie. Mark Cuban versus David Stern. Mark Cuban, all the times he said controversial things when David Stern was running the league, that is a rival. And then, of course, Stern would come back and, and fire him. Or fine him, not fire him. He wished he could fire him. Yeah, that's not bad, but that's, I don't know. Hmm. I also had tied for number 10. I'm sure you need to punt. This will be later in your list. Uh, Spike Lee versus Reggie. That's a major punt. Uh, That's a you major got that extremely high. I've got that extremely high. Yeah, punt, big time punt. Reggie Miller, the Nick killer. Yeah, number nine, Bulls Knicks. Is that a punt? Uh, Can you no, read your list? <laughs> They're not in order over here. So, oh my God. Uh, what All you right. got? So the bull. <laughs> They're not in order. The bull. <laughs> the Bulls and Knicks. They met six times in the postseason between 89 and 95, and the Bulls won uh, five of those series. Uh, the Knicks' only victory in the series came in 94, which was one of the two seasons that Jordan left uh, the Bulls to go play baseball. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the Knicks won that series and ended up losing to the Houston Rockets. But Jordan was at his best in Madison Square Garden, and he scored 55 points in that uh, 1995 game, which was shortly after he came back from Major League Baseball. So, Bulls, Knicks, got that on my list. I did not have that in my top ten. I had it number nine, the Bulls and the Pistons. The Jordan rules. Yeah, uh, that was my number ten, so we could have talked about it. Yeah. All right, so go ahead. Uh, just the fact that, uh, you know, Jordan knew that if he went in the lane, he was going to get hammered. Mm-hmm. The game yeah. has changed a little bit. 
it's changed a little bit. Their whole goal was to make everyone beat them but Michael Jordan. But still, Jordan was the GOAT. He was too explosive. At number eight, I got Isaiah versus Magic. Isaiah versus Magic. I don't have Isaiah Magic on here. Uh, how could you not have, first of all, on the court, how competitive they were against mm-hmm. each other. And that relationship took several different twists. And I think a lot of people remember, of course, before the game, a little peck on the cheek. But, I mean, you look back at their relationship and what took place, basically – when Magic came out and said that he, uh, he was HIV positive, and then, of course, the reports that he thought that Isaiah was out there spreading rumors about him being a, a homosexual, bisexual, and that led to his HIV. I mean, that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that is pretty bad. I, at number eight for me, I had Larry Bird, Dr. J. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they split four playoff series. And the playoff games were also tied at 12 and 12. So this was tight. And not only that, but you had that fight as well, that legendary fight between the two. So because of that, I put them at number eight on my list. I agree. I should have had that in there. At number uh, seven, I had the the Celtics and the Pistons, basically Bird versus the Bad Boys. David from uh, Arkansas says, Oh, literally with this uh, rivalry, Robert Parrish taking down Bill Lambeer as good as it gets. Yeah, and I should have found a way to put that on my list as well. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll acknowledge that to you. All right. Uh, my number seven, though, was MJ versus Isaiah. Mm. So, again, I went for the drama. So, Isaiah Thomas, if you'll recall, was not interested in helping out Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Not interested in helping uh, enhance his reputation. Uh, you remember he had that uh, plan to freeze Jordan out of the All-Star uh-huh. game. Um, and so Jordan's opportunities were limited in that game. But then he comes back, and I punted because uh, I have this higher in the list. Michael Jordan then kind of oh. keeps him off the dream team. Yes. Uh, you should have told mm. me you punted. But anyway, we'll, we'll finish it. Yes, he kept him off the dream team. And uh, so just because of all of that and because they had some epic uh, games on the court, yeah, I have that at number seven. Uh, you could weigh in at 888-993-7762 is the Stuart Shelby hotline slash text line. Best rivalries in postseason NBA basketball. Andrew says, the worm versus any and everybody trying to get the rebound. What was your number seven? Uh, Celtics versus Pistons. Okay, so my number six. I told you I tried to get other errors involved. Uh-huh. I got Wilt versus Russell. Ooh. Is that be a lot higher than it's that. It's a punt. Yes. Okay. That is in my top five, maybe number one. Okay. Uh, punt, I don't think man. you're giving that the uh, respect that it deserves. I got – so I've got a, a couple of more recent ones in my top five, but go ahead. Uh, number six, uh, Reggie Miller versus uh, John Starks. Them going back and forth, and, of course, Starks with the headbutt. Uh, refusing to shake hands, and this goes back to literally that series and that rivalry between the Knicks and the Pacers. Good stuff. Uh, do we want to take a break there and then continue with our top five later on the show? Uh, yeah, a couple other ones that uh, I don't think you'll have on your top top five. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, back in the day, uh, David Robinson versus the Dream Team Olajuwon, uh, Shaq versus Tim Duncan. Yeah, I tried to find a way to put Lakers Spurs from that era on there. I didn't, but I certainly did think about it because that was, you know, two powerhouses going back and forth. And I was loved when uh, Charles Barkley was going up against Kevin McHale. Yeah. Neither of them were going to back down. No. It's, it was tough. The list was tough to make. I'll acknowledge that. All right. Let's end there. And, of course, we'll restart it at 8.15. What's it say about the game, though, that we haven't mentioned a recent series or or a a matchup that's taking place right now or at least in the last five days? It's definitely, I don't want to say softer, but that's what everyone wants to say. It's not as uh, vicious as it used to be. These rivalries aren't as uh, vicious. But I will say I do have a couple of series that I, I can't wait to get to that are more recent. All right, Shane C's just joining us. What do y'all think about uh, them telling LeBron last night in a live post-game interview about Pop's wife? We did address that, Shane. I know a lot of people you can't listen the entire time. Uh, now that it's coming out that uh, uh, Ali LaForce uh, told him, tipped him off beforehand that the question was coming. Yeah. She was in a tough spot. LeBron himself said that, so – 
I think people need to give her a break. 888-993-7762, The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 is back after this. Big weekend out at ULM with the spring game and, of course, an evening with Doug Peterson. The Warhawks offensive coordinator, Matt Kubik, joins us after the break. The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self, maybe even better. Whether a sports-related injury or an accident in daily life has you sidelined, let the progressive, all-star team of physicians, therapists, and professional staff at North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic provide superior service and results. Visit us at MonroeOrtho.com to schedule your appointment at one of our three locations in Ruston, West Monroe, or 1501 Louisville Avenue in Monroe. The way you purchased a car in the past is changing with Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Shop our inventory new and used, value your trade, and apply for financing from home on your couch in the comfort of your bed. Wherever you choose, whatever you want, at Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com, we'll hand you your keys so you can get to the important things in life. Visit Ronnie Ward Toyota of Ruston.com. Drive your dream, live to drive. Brad Parker and his wife Leah opened the Iron Cactus in Calhoun, Louisiana on July 12, 2010 and has made Iron Cactus into a one-of-a-kind restaurant and, in my opinion, the best Tex-Mex in the area. They now have a second location at 428 Desired Street in Monroe. Iron Cactus offers a family-friendly environment that's open for lunch and dinner and also has an array of platters for your catered events. Every time you visit Iron Cactus, you'll find a dedicated and grateful staff with a commitment to deliver the best Tex-Mex, along with the fresh ideas that will make you want to come back again and again. They pride themselves in using fresh food to meet your expectations of a delicious dining experience, and they look forward to serving you in a simple cantina setting. What's better than the Iron Cactus fajitas? Eating them with a margarita, obviously. They are so excited to announce they are now serving your favorite margaritas, wine, and ice-cold beer in downtown Monroe. 428 Desired Street, Monroe, and 1304 Highway 80 East in Calhoun. Local Sports Talk is on the air on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. Welcome back to the show. We are looking forward to a huge weekend out at ULM, of course, with the baseball game, spring game, and Doug Peterson returning to campus for a pretty cool event out at Fan Ewing, but of course, ULM fans want to get a look at their first look at next year's Warhawks. They'll get that opportunity at 5 o'clock with the spring game. Boy, they were fired up last year for that offense, and rightfully so. It was fun to watch, and the guy that was calling the shots for the Warhawks oh last year, Matt Kubik, joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. How are you doing this morning, bud? Doing great. How are y'all? Good. First of all, I understand uh, congratulations. I, have, I understand you have a new one in the household. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I missed my first practice in the history of my football career as a player or coach yesterday, but it was for good reason. We uh, we gave birth to our second baby girl last night about 6.30, so uh, Georgia Georgia Kubik's here, and uh, she's, she's ready. She's pumped up about Saturday, too. <laughs> I bet. Congratulations, uh, Coach. Uh, one other question you. for you. Hey, uh, Tremont Williams uh, just uh, re-signed with the Green Bay Packers, of course, formerly of Louisiana Tech and one yeah. of the, uh, your old teammates. So I was going back last night, and I was looking for some footage of him when he was with the Bulldogs in 2005, and, of course, stumbled across a lot of great footage of you throwing some touchdown passes. <laughs> but Tremont Williams, after this many years still being in the National Football League, would you ever have thunk it playing with him and, of course, seeing him on a daily basis at practice? You know, I, well, I, you know, Tremont came to uh, – we were actually in the same, in the same class. Uh, he was, he was actually, actually came to Tech as a non-scholarship player. And uh, right off the bat, I mean, uh, right off the bat, started giving the, uh, the the first team offense fit, you know, as a scout team player, and uh, you know, just worked his butt off throughout his career, and and uh, you know, put, eventually put him on scholarship, and then you know, got into a camp. I mean, he's just one of those guys that I mean, work ethic, I mean, is second to none, and and I'm I'm so proud of him and everything that he's done in the league. But for for to be to be where he came from, you know, being a non scholarship guy, and then eventually being a, you know, I mean, I'm, and he's been in the league for what? I mean, he's working on probably 12 years now. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty special, and, he, and if if you spend any time around Tremont, you know exactly why. Because the guy, he's, I mean, he's a uh, he's, he's a great person. 
All right, let's talk about the, the Warhawks and especially this offense. Last year, averaging uh, close to 34 points per game. You guys are certainly entertaining to watch. As you went back and reevaluated last year's squad and your guys' performance, what stood out the most to you? You know, I think it's just consistency. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, in our second year, you know, it's something that we really hope that started to show up, you know, in that second season. And, and uh, you know, guys just having a feel for the scheme and, and doing things within the offense. And then, you know, we were able to tweak some things, you know, as the as the year went on. And then it also helps, you know, being in that league for two years, you know, you start to get a feel for, you know, what people are doing on off, on, I mean, on defense and, uh, you know, game planning wise and, uh so, you know, we're, uh, we're excited to have all those guys back. But I would say overall, just, just the consistency of play is, is really what kind of what kind of stood out. Uh, Caleb Evans, of course, it's just a huge season. How did you see him progress last year? Then what strides has he made going into this spring? Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time in the quarterback room. I mean, there's no substitute for game reps. And, you know, with, with Caleb having, you know, a season and a half under his belt, you know, at the end of last year, I mean, that, that, that really helps. And, you know, again, same thing. I mean, he was just uh, just a lot more consistent, uh, better handle on the offense. Protection-wise, you know, it's something that we put on the quarterbacks, and he got us in the right protections. Knew when he was, you know, knew when he was hot, knew when he was protected, knew when to get rid of it, knew when he could take a shot down the field. So just basic knowledge of the scheme and uh, and overall consistency. And then, you know, this spring he's been been great. Um, you know, again, taking those next strides, kind of, kind of pressuring him to take that next step as a quarterback and, uh, you know, really – he knows there's some high expectations on him this year, and and that, that's a good thing. I mean, you gotta gotta put pressure on the quarterback to be to be the man, and and uh, we're we're looking forward to again to watching him hopefully have another great year. Matt, the dynamics of that quarterback room has changed, of course, with several players transferring out. Uh, his you know the backups from last year. Uh, how's the battle for number two now going for you, Ellen? It's going really well. You know, we've got three guys uh, three guys kind of battling there. Um, you know, it's Matt Gardner and and, and uh, the Neville Neville grad JT Jackson. Those guys have two years in our offense, which is great. Um, you know, they're they're guys that uh, that have that have improved every every year. You know, every spring, fall camp, they've improved every every time we get out on the practice field, and, and so they're battling. And then they have a comfort you know they have a comfort level with the offense now too, having two years under their belt. And then we signed uh, Brennan Wooten out of Tyler Junior College, who originally signed with TCU out of high school. And me and Brennan actually had a had a previous. Uh, I coached him at a couple quarterback camps when I was coaching over in Texas when he was kind of a youngster coming up, and so uh, that that relationship kind of helped us land Brennan, and and he's got all the tools too. He's he's doing a good job as well. He's naturally he's a little bit behind, you know, kind of in the scheme, uh, you know, aspect and learning aspect, but uh, he's picked things up pretty quickly, and uh, you know, we're fixing to have our exit meetings on Monday, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about with all those guys. Is hey, you know, it's still it's still wide open. You guys got to have a great summer and and kind of go from there. Did lose a couple other running backs, but you do have a uh, Derek Gore coming back. Uh, how's it shaping up to who will be toting the rock next year? I think you're gonna see a bunch of guys again. Um, you know, Derek's having a great spring. Um, you know, he's he's kind of uh, he's kind of taking a, a, a leadership role in the offense, especially in that running back room. You know, his his work ethic is second to none, and he kind of pushes all those guys around him. Uh, Kyeen White's having a good spring. Uh, Austin Vaughn's healthy again. You know, Austin kind of had a little tweak there. Um, tweaked his knee kind of in the end of camp last year, and uh, he's ba- he's back he's back to 100. percent And then we got two freshmen that redshirted, and Jacal Holmes and uh, Javon Myers that uh, have have all shown have both shown flashes during the spring, and uh, they'll probably be touching the rock a little bit too. I look at this roster. Is it safe to say that you guys are, are loaded at wide receiver, or you feel like this is the biggest strength of this offense, or perhaps the team right now? I would say so. You know, it's uh, it's something that when when we got here, you know, when we got the job a couple of years ago, I mean, we we went out there for that first spring, and I mean, they they were already out there. You know, with R.J. Turner, Xavier Brown, you know, Marcus Green, uh, Demar- uh, uh, Gillespie. I mean, those guys. Uh, Marcus Mar- Marquise McCray is healthy again, which we're we're pumped up about. But we we're pretty deep. Uh, we're pretty deep at receiver. I you know we're joking with John Carr. He he uh, he walked into a really good room there, uh, uh, and uh, with a lot of experience and a lot of talent, and uh, we're. We're definitely going to be swinging it around a good bit and taking what the defense gives us, but it's nice to know we're, we're that deep a receiver for sure. I'm sure you uh, path your pass cro- crossed many times with uh, John Carr when he was in the, the JUCO ranks in Mississippi or perhaps out at Washington. How has that adjustment been with him taking over the wide receivers? Oh, it's been great. I, he, he was a no-brainer, you know, uh, in, in our in our opinion and you know Coach Viator's opinion and. 
And uh, I've been knowing John for a long time now. Uh, recruited North Louisiana just about every every place I've been, and and uh, got to know him real well when when he was at Washita. And then uh, you know we went down to Southern Miss. We still stayed in contact. Actually tried to tried to get him to come uh, uh, to Stephen F. Austin at one point. But he he was uh, it wasn't the right move for him at the time. But you know things all work out the way they're supposed to. And uh, he's really uh, really taking control. You know that receiver room. And like I said, it's. It's great to have a bunch of experienced guys, you know, in there, and uh, and uh, they they think the world of, of Coach Carr already, and and he's been uh, he's been awesome. Marcus Green really made a name for himself last year on special teams, but a lot of people forget that he had 54 receptions and uh, five touchdowns on the year. Now that everybody knows his name, how difficult is it going to be for him to uh, kind of and for you guys to kind of move him around and try to hide him just a little bit? Yeah, there's no doubt the secret the secret's out on Marcus, and uh, you know it's it's gonna uh, it's gonna take some creative uh, creative play calling and some different you know maybe some different motions and some different shifts and kind of moving them around in formations trying to get the matchups that we want. But um, you know the, the great thing again that that, that I think is really going to benefit us is getting uh, Marquise McCray back as well because uh, they're very similar players as far as you know slot guys, speed guys, you know can take the top off. So uh, if we can get both of those guys on the field in the slot at the same time. Uh, Hopefully, uh, we're going to make the defense uh, have to make some tough decisions on who they want to who they want to focus on. You uh, offensive coordinator Matt Kubik joins us on the Stuart Shelby Hotline. Coach, uh, the tight end position, you got a guy there with the famous name Josh Peterson, but he certainly <laughs> is making a name in his own right. How has he looked this spring? And of course, he's got competition at that spot. Yeah, he's looked great. Um, got a got a little tweak, uh, kind of a little injury, a little thumb injury that I think is going to keep him out for the rest of spring, but he's going to be back uh, in a couple weeks, so he'll be ready to roll. Um, uh, Sloan, Sloan's having another great year, uh, it, you know, spring ball-wise. He's doing some really good things. And then Tyler Lamb, a big freshman that, that was kind of banged up a little bit last year. He's coming back as a sophomore, so got some good depth at the tight end position for sure. And then uh, Reagan Heddens is, is the oldest guy in the room, and, and Reagan's kind of the seasoned vet, you know, in that room. And, and again, it's just great to have these guys, you know, the entire offense back for, uh, um, you know, for another year, kind of three years in the system. And, and like I said, hopefully that's going to that's gonna pay dividends again come the fall. Finally, but not certainly last, this offensive line. And when ULM has had some success, they've had a pretty good offensive line. Uh, how's that shaping up this year? Really well, you know, it hurt, hurt to lose Frank. Um, you know, Frank was a heck of a player. Um, you know, really, really kind of anchored that offensive line for us last year. But the thing that, uh, you know, Iman Nagavi did, which, uh, which has really helped us this spring, is, you know, we, at times we were rotating, you know, eight and nine guys into the game, you know, all last season. So some of those young guys, you know, we, you know were playing 30, 30, 40 snaps a game. So they've got some, they've got some game experience under their belt. And uh, really it's just a matter of trying to figure out who those first five are. And then uh, kind of identifying, you know, who can who can spell those first five and get a good rotation going again. Because uh, I think last year, just kind of watching the tape, and you know, the games where we ran the ball well was when we really had that rotation going and we were 100 percent healthy. And uh, you know, just keeping those guys fresh up front, I think, is uh, what we're going to try to focus on this fall. Spring game at five o'clock. Then after that, an evening with Doug Peterson. How cool is it? The fact, I mean, he comes back all the time to see his son and hang out. But just the fact. Now Warhawk fans are going to be able to hear from a Super Bowl winning coach. Yeah, no, it's big time. We're we're really excited about the event. You know, we're happy coach is coming back. He's been uh, he's been unbelievable to us. You know, just from a coaching staff standpoint, he sent us a bunch of Eagles film. Um, you know, in the off season, and we were able to study that and you know kind of kind of put a, a few wrinkles in in the offense this spring and trying some things out. We're actually excited to get him down. You know, get him back in town and maybe sit him sit him down in the film room for for a couple minutes and just kind of ask him some some questions or kind of kind of what we saw on tape and things like that but uh but yeah i mean that's such that's such a huge deal for the university and and uh you know he's a great guy obviously a great person and uh you know we just we're just so excited he's going to come back and, and do that for for us because i think it's going to be a uh, going to be a great event matt kubik we appreciate the time we'll see you out there uh saturday at five o'clock and congratulations on the baby girl i appreciate it aaron we'll talk to you later all right, Matt Kubik, ULM's offensive coordinator. Some great stuff there. Tickets still available for the event out at ULM. A, a wide range of uh, price tickets. I mean, if you're a high roller, you can get a table, you can get the food, you can get the drinks. Or if you're like Jake over here, you can still get in the door and you can sit in the stands for uh, 25 bucks. Hey, come on. <laughs> hey, this text line is rolling right now. Keep sending us what your favorite postseason NBA rivalries are. 
Uh, do we have time to go through those? We need to wait. Uh, tease us with a couple. All right. Uh, FS says a lot of people believe Russell shut down Wilt, but head to head, Wilt averaged 28 points and 28 rebounds against Russell. Bill just had a bunch, about seven Hall of Famers to back him up. And Quint says rivalries are dead in the NBA now. They are all friends. No one dislikes anyone now. That's why Rondo is fun to watch. He's a throwback. Uh, Nick on best rivalries. This is a good one. Says uh, the '94 Finals versus OJ. Yeah, I and, like that. Uh, yeah, we've got a ton of them. Keep them rolling. Yeah. We'll go through there and them at eight fifteen. Coming up next, the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair, joins us following a uh, tough loss to the Tigers last night versus Tulane. We'll talk a little uh, spring football with him also as LSU gets ready for their annual spring game on Saturday. The morning drive back after this. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.